This morning, we're excited to uh, conclude three weeks of a series we've been doing, working through the mission of our church. I know a lot of times when you think of mission, you're like, oh, mission, you know, like that's dull and boring. But hopefully, there's been some things that we've talked about that, that have maybe stirred up some passion in you and really the three areas, and we can put that on the screen there as a mission that we're wanting to be about is the three uh, E's that we have there, encounter, uh, we exist to encounter Jesus Christ. The first week we talked about wanting to be a place where people encounter Christ through worship, through teaching of God's word, through the prayer of, of God's people, wanting that to be a priority where you can expect when you show up at a, on a Sunday here at the church or at an event here at the church, that there's really that hope that God would show up and be present there. And so that was our first week. The second week we talked about equipping followers for a service and the idea there is really growing in our ability to love God and love people and really wanting to equip the church to do a good job of that. And the ripple effect that that has carries into our last week with this idea of extending his love to the world. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to make sure we're on the same page when we talk about this topic of extend. So by definition, what we're talking about, extend this idea of loving the world by serving those in need and sharing the life-giving news of Jesus Christ. Those three elements there we want to talk about this morning, but before we do that, let me commit our time to the Lord. Dear God, we just come to you right now, just thankful for this chance to be together, the freedom that we have to do that, to dive into your word, that you'd stretch us, that you'd grow us, that there'd be less of me, more of you, that you would, that you would uh, grow our hearts in this area of extension. God, that we wouldn't keep you to ourselves, that we'd share you with the world around us, God, the world that you've entrusted to us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, this idea of, uh, of extend, as we're thinking about that, I want to make sure that we're all on the same uh, page. The first thing that we mentioned there in that de definition of the word love, the idea of loving uh, the, the world around us. The word love, want to make sure that that's the compelling thing that's driving us. We don't want to do things out of guilt or out of pressure because the bald guy kept talking about it. Like we want to do things out of, out of love. And we talked about that last week, that it's a ripple effect is when you get that love relationship with Jesus Christ in the right place, that it trickles into your other relationship. And that's a principle that's true in a lot of areas in our life. The things that those that we care about the most love, we find ourselves growing to love those. I've noticed that even with my wife, things that she loves and cares about, I've picked up and I start to like and care about. Before I met my wife, I didn't know anything about the, the benefit of enjoying little treats in your day. She's big into saying like, oh, why don't we stop and get a treat? And I like I, that. So I've grown to love treats. And, and my, my, my wife has grown in the area of uh, which, guys, maybe you, you have this same issue, where you really like a nice sports car. Ever since I was little, I, uh, I've always liked cars, started with matchbox cars. My dad was like, why? I had like a, a wooden uh, paneled station wagon. Why do you like cars? And uh, maybe that's why I like cars. But, uh, but so when we drive together, my wife notices that I, that I point out any nice car that's on the road. It's an issue. It's a problem. I, I recognize that. And so I'm like, oh, did you see the McLaren? Did you see the Lamborghini? And she's like, I, I know, I get it. And I'm like, but that's the AMG package. And you explain these things. And some of you are looking at me confused. Some of you are like, that's right. And, uh, 
Uh, but but what, what's happened is my wife over time has actually become fairly knowledgeable about cars. She's like, oh, that's a 68 vet. And I'm like, nice, you get it. And, uh, and so the, the point being is that the areas that we're passionate about ripple and trickle into the ones that we, that we care about and the ones that we love. And the hope is, is that as we pursue an intimate relationship with God, that then ripples into the, the, the love, the same love that he has for people grows in us. And so our hope and the, the reason we use the word uh, love is that we want that to be the thing that compels us towards our extension of Christ's love. And the, the, the other word there was very intentional as well, well, the loving the world, making sure we're on the same page with the world. A lot of times the, the word, when we were talking about it as an elder bird, we're like, eh, is that too broad? Is that too general? Is that vague? But really thinking of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, wanting to make sure that our, uh, per, that our pursuit as a church included all aspects of the world. And so that's why even this morning you saw a little bit of the global element of, of the world piece when we're describing that. The global piece involves some of our, our missions work uh, that we're doing overseas. We're sending teams over that. We have uh, 18 different missionaries that we support every single month. Out of the tithe that you guys give or the offering, we give more than 10% towards actually financially uh, financing a global effort of impacting people. It's fun to see, even as I'm getting to know as in this first year, the different missionaries that we support, how many of them started here at ABF and have gone out to different places that God's called them to. So making sure we understand when we say world, we are talking about the global world. And it's fun that you hop on a plane any direction where you land, you're going to see God at work, God moving, God pursuing people, God chasing people down with his love and grace. So world includes global. It also includes local ministries. We're wanting to grow and expand that part of our church to not just be a, hey, yeah, we, we send checks every month, but also figuring out what are some of the needs uh, surrounding us. Just this past week, having a great conversation with, with Mary Collins, we're adding Operation Embrace as one of the ministries that's an area that we've, that we've adopted as a church. You'll start seeing different needs that Operation Embrace has in the bulletin. It's a, it's a homeless outreach that we're doing, and I'm wanting, I have a, a heart for this, to see the areas of outreach grow and expand dramatically around the church. That you can say like, yeah, we serve with this group, this group, this group, this group. But here's the thing, is I'm not going to come and say, you guys need to do this one, this one, and this one, because guess what happens with that? You're, when you're not passionate about it, it doesn't, doesn't stand. And so I want to see as God stirs in your heart and moves in your heart towards an area that you want to uh, give leadership to and help us start bringing under that umbrella of outreach locally, uh, that God would, would just expand that ministry. So global, local, and probably the, the area that uh, I really want to see the most is, is also personal, personal world. When you think about your world, what is your circle of influence, the places that you work, the places that you play, the place that you live, that's your circle of influence. I remember at one time being with a group of young adults and we talked about those three different areas where you work, play, and live, those three different areas. And we had a map up on the stage and we gave people stickers, three different color stickers based on each of those three areas. We said, oh, this is a map of Chicago area. Why don't you come up and you put a sticker on each of those three areas of where you live, where you work, and where you play. And, uh, and it was interesting to see, even with a group probably about the same size, as they came up and put stickers, what do you think happened to that map? 
It was just covered. The, 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 the circle of influence, just in a group of people of this size, 80 to 100 people, when you think about it, is unbelievable. The potential for impact in our community, even just thinking through your circle of influence, what God could do through that. I remember some years back, I was exposed to a uh, diagram that really helped my mind kind of grasp this idea of a, a domino effect of outreach. And I brought this to show you guys here, this image here of a, a little bit of math included here. So maybe some of the math fans here are like perking up. Some of you that hate math are like, no. But here, let me explain what I, what I mean by this math. And it's got two different options of a life of outreach. The addition would include this. It would mean somebody... That's super dynamic, a uh, Bill Heatley that wins uh, a, a thousand people to Christ every single year just because he's that compelling, which is true. And, uh, and, and, and somebody that's very dy- dynamic, they have that would be pretty impressive to have on, on your resume that kind of effect in over, over 50 years, uh, which since you're only 30, Bill, that would only make you 80. Uh, and, so, and so the, the impact would be 50,000 people. But then I was thinking about a a little bit more of Jesus' model, uh, not saying that Bill's not, uh, but, but a little bit more, I'm teasing, uh, a little bit more of the model in the, that, that's been set in place is more of a multiplication model. And this is, has stuck in my head. If you think about it, if you or I were to lead one person to Christ per year, one person to Christ, and in that person, so you start with just you that's a Christ follower, and then the person that you pointed to Christ, somebody that you felt like there was a divine appointment, you had it, you engaged with them, you shared how God's transformed your life, how it's changed everything, and you're passionate about them coming to know the same experience. Uh, th- then what happens after one year? How many people do you have? Two. You and one other person. Then they get excited about it. They get excited about sharing that with another person. And then after two years, let's keep going with the math. We got... You guys are catching on. Nice. Will, good job. Uh, and so that, 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 that idea of multiplication keep continuing going, and you look at, at how that plays itself out, the domino effect of sharing Christ, that's exactly why you can hop on a plane, head to anywhere on the planet, because that's what Jesus did. He set on fire 12 men or 11 men that, 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 that went on to then ripple effect on to there's a reason why you're sitting here today if you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or is because of that multiplication effect. What would it look like for us to see the world with that kind of perspective? I love the last one. I couldn't even fit all the zeros. Just the multiplication effect that happens when we're faithful with sharing one person. And the, the truth is, a lot of times we're just like, yeah, but there's certain people you don't get it. They're just like, they're just outside of, of our reach. They're like, they're just hardened to God. And maybe you can bring to mind even somebody at your workplace where you're like, they're not bending a knee anytime soon. Can you guys bring somebody to mind that's like that? I, uh, my, my first job out of, uh, out of college, I worked for a company called Manpower, which is a job placement company. I was the person that would interview and put people on jobs, which was somewhat interesting. And, uh, and so... I got paired up, and there was a girl that worked there. Her name was Gia Simonelli, this 
Italian girl. Uh, that was just a fireball, no stereotype there. Uh, but, but she made it very clear early on that she wanted nothing to do with this God thing. When I brought it up, she, this Jesus thing, she's like, that's not for me. But, but I was just faithful, just kind of planting seeds. There's another woman who was kind of cool to see how God brought in a tag team. He brought another woman on staff that was also Christ follower. And so both of us started kind of laying the groundwork and just, just sharing with her, just faithfully, hey, would you do this weekend? Well, I was at church and we did this outreach event. We we're helping with the homeless. Huh, huh. You know, like just, just gradually laying the work in. And eventually, Gia came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Then the ripple effect, she started to seem like, man, this has changed my life. And then she ended up going on the mission field to China. And then who knows how God has used that. I think she's back now from the field. But, but how God uses one person's life when we're just faithful, just sharing how that multiplication, the world all of a sudden becomes more and more reachable. So making sure that we're on the same page with that as we start our conversation. Love, loving uh, people, that's got to be the thing that compels us. And loving not just people, but the world, local, global, but also personal, looking at what our circle of influence is. Then the next area there is what is then, okay, so we want to love the world and we want to do it, we want to get out and about, but what does that look like? And the first thing in that description that we put there is serving those in need. Serving those in need. Many times, you may recognize this just in your own relationships, people have so much going on, so many needs, that they're so blinded by their needs there's no way you can introduce the gospel message. A lot of times, even modeled by Jesus Christ, was there, you, there's first a piece of like, hey, let's figure out what are some of the ways that we can care for this person, that we can meet some of those tangible things before they're even open to hearing about the kingdom. That's exactly what Jesus did, is think about his ministry, sharing, going out, meeting needs, healing people, providing for the needs, and then that trickled into then sharing about the kingdom and what, what it looks like to taste living water and, you know what I mean? Like that was the ripple effect that he had. It started with meeting needs. I love the charge that we find uh, that Paul gives Titus in Titus 3.12. He says this, And let our people, us believers, devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. To help cases of of urgent need. That was the charge that he, that he gave. He said, man, I want you to see the world around you. I want you to see cases of urgent need. Do you think we're in a world right now that has cases of urgent need? I would say yes. I was just out to Jamba Juice with a guy who's the director of a ministry in Los Angeles called I Empathize. And the, the focus of, of their, their ministry is dealing with human trafficking. How crazy is that? That we're in a world right now where that's a real issue and towns surrounding us. I, he, was, he was sharing with me that in L.A. County in 2010 that there are 174 cases of child sex trafficking. How dark is that? Like, like for us to be blind to the fact that there's, there's junk going on. There's urgent need around us. 
figuring out as a church, what does it look like for us to roll up our sleeves and get involved with the needs around us? My hope and prayer for us is for each of us to kind of wrestle through that question. I was talking about it even uh, this week is saying like, in the last 30 days, what have I done to meet some of those tangible, urgent needs around us? And uh, to be honest with you, and just being transparent, I had some patterns and habits in place when I, I was in Chicago serving the poor and doing some homeless outreach stuff that I could say like, yeah, I can point to this. But right now, I want God to stretch and inter- reintroduce that into my life. My ask to you guys as a church is, what are you doing to meet some of the urgent needs around us? What are you doing? I'd love to have on a weekly basis where people are coming up and saying like, what if we started this ministry and, and I'm willing to head that up because I'm, I'm going to be passionate about it and I'm going to land on something that that's going to be mine. I'm going to own that. Man, what a gift that would be. Can you imagine when we mentioned outreach with the church and you're like, man, there's like 46 different things that we're doing as a church to reach out in the community. My question to you is what is it that God's laying on your heart to be that urgent need that you're meeting in the world around us? So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about this extend piece, figuring out what that looks like. But here's the thing with that is that we can't just be about meeting needs without the partnership. And this is the the next piece, the partnership of sharing Christ. It doesn't deal, you see, if you think about it, social justice is kind of a cruel thing if there's not the gospel attached to it. Let me explain. If there's not the gospel attached to it, social justice is what? It's just maybe prolonging somebody's life. It's maybe diffusing a, a, an injustice. It's, 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 it's meeting a tangible need, but really it's not getting to the core of the real need and the eternal need is this, is that people desperately need Jesus Christ. People desperately need Jesus Christ, and they don't realize it. I was, uh, I was talking uh, with, with my, I'm not sure if it was my wife or who we were, was discussing this, but how we're in a culture that seems to be somewhat obsessed, and this is going to sound funny to you guys, obsessed with zombies. Have you guys noticed in, our, in, in the media? Like, listen to, to me for a second. In the media, how many films in the last five years are dealing with something, right, guys? A video games are about zombies, movies, TV shows, zombie land. Like, there's things all over the place that are obsessed with zombies. I was thinking about, like, what's driving that? Like, that's kind of crazy, right? What is a zombie? Is a, is, a, is a dead person walking, right? A dead person walking. But the irony of that, and the reason I bring that up, you're like, why are you talking about zombies in church? The, the reason I bring that up is because exactly the irony of it is that's what somebody is apart from Christ. Ephesians 2.1 says this. If you guys want to flip there, Ephesians 2.1 says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked. Dead walking. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of, this, of the air. And it goes on in verse 4 to say this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were, what, dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So we were dead and we were brought from, from death to life. 
At our beach baptism, I was, I was talking and sharing about how every single testimony, if you think about it, the, as you know how you hear sometimes people saying like, yeah, I kind of have a, a boring testimony. It's not that exciting. You know, like I, I never did drugs. I was never bad. I did, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't do any of those things. And so they see their, their testimony as a boring testimony. But think about your testimony from this perspective. Every testimony is a resurrection story. It was a story of somebody that was dead and brought back to life. Does that mean, do, do, you, do you get that? The idea of a, of a testimony is exactly that. And that's what it's saying there in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses. You were just walking around. But then God intervened. God intervened and pursued us. And he gave us a story of a, life, of a death coming back to life. Is, do, we, do we see our testimony as that? It's an awesome thing. I think that should compel us, man. Like as we're talking about what God's done in our life to be able to be like, yeah, I was, I was completely dead. You know, like no pulse, like no breathing, like, like dead, purple, the whole deal. And God brought me back to life through his grace, through his forgiveness. Turn with me if you will, and I want to see a lot of Bibles turning here. 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about this idea a little bit further, or iPhones. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, death to life. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pause there for a second. The idea here of the, of the death to life, we are new creations, it says there in verse 20, that the old is past and the new has come, no longer dead in our trespasses. And the cool thing is, is that this is not of ourselves. We see that other places in scriptures. It's not for us to boast. It says, all this is from who? God. All this is from God. What's from God? What, what actually is happening there? What is happening there is one new life, peace with God, our sin that had separated us from God. We're now reconciled. We've gone from being separated to now back in relationship. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that pursues reconciliation? I've talked to a lot of different people that have conflict or issues with somebody, and they're not at all interested in reconciling. They're just like, no thanks, they've wronged me, and, and I want nothing to do with them. Not at all a biblical mindset, but pretty prevalent in our culture and our world around us. But aren't you got, glad that our God is not that person? It says that he pursued reconciliation. He didn't want to be in a severed relationship. He took the step by sending Jesus Christ to do what? It says in the, in the text there in Corinthians, it says, following, I'm sorry, it says that who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry, ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses against them. That's basically saying the things that you've done wrong, he's no longer seeing them. He's no longer seeing them. He doesn't see you because of the things. He's seeing you as if you've never done anything wrong if you've embraced Christ. Isn't that an incredible idea? Just think, think of that, Will, as God, when he's looking at you, sees you as somebody that's never blown it, not holding anything you've done against you. How awesome that is to think of God not holding any of the wrongs, just saying, you know what, I'm going to, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I'm going to see you through the lens of Jesus Christ and see you as perfect, as blameless, as spotless, like nothing wrong with you, no sin. That's what God is offering. He's saying, I've, I've made the pursuit of you. I've made the choice to reconcile, give you the potential for reconciliation between yourself and I and no longer hold anything against you. What a cool thing. But here's the thing. He didn't just leave it with that. He said, not only have I done that reconciliation, I've left you with the job to extend that message to others. I've left you with that job. How many times does he have to say it? Look in, in the text back in 2 Corinthians. It says, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That was the plan. There's no plan B. He's saying, I've left you. I've entrusted into your care this gospel message. And think of what's been entrusted to us. What an awesome thing. He's saying, I've entrusted the potential for somebody to not have their sins held against them. To not have their sins held against them. What an awesome privilege. When, when you think about it, this isn't just a request that God's like, you know, that's something that you should consider doing. That's something that would be nice if you introduced that into your life, if you found, found room for that. What is he saying? He says in the text, he says, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. Not like, hey, some of you should be ambassadors. No, if you've entrusted, if you've embraced that reconciliation, then that's part of your identity. Part of your identity is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I know some of you are like, yeah, I've heard this text so many times. But that's the truth of your identity. And the question is not whether or not we are an ambassador. The question is, is are we a good ambassador or a poor ambassador? Pretty convicting question, right? Like the, It's not whether or not we are one. The question is of how good of a job we're doing with being an ambassador. If you think about it, the being an ambassador is a privilege. Think about it. It's like a, a, a term of dignity, a, a term of privilege to, to represent the king. And in this case, represent the king of kings. Thinking of yourself as like, man, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And when the world says no thank you, you're like, that's okay. You're not rejecting me. You're saying no thank you to the king of kings. Like all of a sudden that changes perspective on, on, on ministry. All of a sudden it's, you're like, man, I don't have to feel bad about a, a world that's maybe not interested in my message because it's what? It's not my message. I'm just a, a spokesman for Jesus Christ. You can, you can choose what you want to do with that, but it's not my message. An ambassador or a good ambassador doesn't have anything to do with their words or their message or what they're trying to do. But what Jesus says as an ambassador, he's wanting you to say, I implore you, or the word plead, I plead with you on behalf of Christ to get reconciled. 
That's our message that we've been entrusted with, to go into the world and say, man, I'm begging with you, get things right with God. Get things right with God. I'm not. I'm just on my hands. Like when you think of pleading, when somebody's begging for something, you picture somebody like on their hands and knees and saying, "Please, please get this thing right. Please get this thing right." And the truth is, this isn't just for those of us with the gift of of evangelism. Have you heard that excuse before? A lot of people are just like, "Well, that whole that whole ambassador thing's not. That's not really." Uh, that's not really my gifting. That's not how I'm wired up. I'm more reserved. And, uh, and, and I just try to hear, this might step on some toes here. I'm just trying to live it and hope people will notice. Well, guess what? You're not the message. You're a messenger. And the messenger has something to speak. Something to speak. Like, how arrogant if we're honest with ourselves to say, like, I'm the message. Like, if somebody watches me long enough, they're just going to be disappointed. You know what I'm saying? You're not the message. You're a messenger, and you have a message, and there's no such thing as a mute messenger. There has to be words spoken. So my question is, what are we doing with that? Are we actually speaking up on Christ's behalf? He's saying, man, I've, I, I, I'm no longer counting your sins against you, and I'm asking you to present that to people that they can have the same experience. How are we doing with that? Are we being vocal? When I was, uh, I was actually the pastor of outreach at a church for a season of ministry, and we had a guy in our church, his name was Mike, a real quiet guy, real timid, kind of meek, one of the, the people that you're like, hey, how's it going? They're like, yeah. And, you know, you know like you're, it's real, it was like pulling teeth trying to get any kind of conversation out of him. And I, I remember at one point talking uh, with, with the group that he was in about this idea of being an ambassador. And that's part of our identity. It's not something that is just something that we can pick and choose about. Like, no, that's who we are if we've embraced uh, Jesus' grace and forgiveness as we're called ambassadors. And, uh, and, he, and he, he pulled me aside one, at one point and he, and he said to me, he's like, you know, Scott, I was, I was thinking about that ambassador thing. At first I was like, oh, you speak. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and then he, he was sharing with me and he says, you know what? He said, you know what I did with that? He said, I have an uncle that's been in and out of prison just for, for years. And, and just my, my heart was, has, has broken for him. And he says, so you know, I, I picked up the phone. And he said, I was nervous to do it. I picked up the phone and I, I called my uncle up and I, I explained to him, I, was, I, I said, you, you just need Jesus. You need Jesus so bad. You need, you need him to transform your life, to redirect the path that you're on. And, and Tim and Mike, over a period of time, it wasn't like an altar call where the, the uncle came to Christ right there. But it, it was one of those things by laying the foundation reaching out, reaching out, and eventually he got to celebrate with, I got to celebrate with Mike, seeing that his, his uncle came into a saving relationship with Jesus because this timid, meek guy recognized that if he's going to embrace God's grace and forgiveness, you can't just absorb it and keep it all to yourself. How, how ridiculous is that? He recognized that he was an ambassador and called to speak of it called to plant seeds, called to take risks in conversation. He recognized that was part of his identity, and it redirected somebody's eternity. It redirected somebody's eternity because he chose to take a risk. Picked up the phone, called his uncle. Let me just, let me just, let me just say here, this is not a low-stakes deal. This is not a little deal. This, I mean, I, I'm saying to you, if you have something that's more important or, or more valuable than, than redirecting somebody's eternity, go after that. Do that, okay? But I want to challenge us to, to, to think that 
There's not a thing that exists that's more important than the message that we've been entrusted to. Something that can change an eternity. This is not a low-stakes deal. And I know a lot of pastors have abused this, this by saying, by preaching fire and brimstone and, 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 and all of that. But hey, guess what? There is a reality. We are eternal beings. We are going to, like, death toll is still 100%. Like, like we're, we're all going to come to a point and we're going to have to make, give an account for our lives. And we, we're going to have no foot to stand on if we haven't embraced Jesus Christ's death as payment for our sins. And the truth is, we have a world out there that has no idea. There's, as the text pointed out, they're just zombies just walking through life, just have no idea, just going on just the, the, the way and the direction that everybody else is headed. We've been entrusted, as it says here, we've been entrusted with this message. We've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. What an awesome thing. It says in Ephesians 1.7, We have a redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Which he lavished upon us. Again, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. That's what we've been entrusted with. A lavish kind of love. And my question to us, what are we going to do with that? As a church, collectively. What are we going to do with that? As us personally, what are we going to do with that? Are we just going to bask in God's love and grace and not extend it? Like, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can do that. And so that's why we've included that, is because this is not a low stakes deal. This is an eternity that's on the line. This is a big deal. And for us, it's not like joining this club or being a part of this. Is, this is eternity. And so my appeal to us, and I'm speaking to myself as well, is for us to grow in this area of extending, doing a better job globally. I want to just keep getting after that. We have another missions opportunity on a short-term trip over uh, the beginning of the new year. You're going to have an opportunity for that, for locally, for us to think through like creatively. What are some things we can do a better job of meeting some of the urgent needs around us, but then also personally, what does it look like for you to wear the title ambassador of God? Ambassador of God, that's not something to be taken lightly. My prayer for us is that we'd grow in all three of these areas, that this encounter idea, this encounter where people show up here and they can expect that God is going to show up here. They equip that we're going to keep growing in our love for God, our love for people, and then extension thing, we know that it's only possible through God's work in our spirit through God transforming us from the inside out, giving us the love that he has for people growing us in this area that's my prayer for us as a church let me pray as we conclude God we thank you for this this message of reconciliation that you have entrusted to us there wasn't a second plan we are the plan to carry that out as your ambassadors God I pray that you'd convict us in this area that you'd move us to action, that we'd be compelled by a love for people that so desperately need you. God, I pray that you'd do that work in my own heart, God, that you'd stretch me, that you'd mold me, that I wouldn't just speak this message, that I'd live it myself. God, I pray for each one of us. We recognize we can't do this in our own strength. We're just dependent on your Holy Spirit. I pray that this lavish grace that you've bestowed on us, that you don't see our sins any longer if we've trusted in you, that we'd extend that message to others, God. Give us courage, give us confidence. 
We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, my hope and prayer is that we'd make some incremental changes with this in the next six months that we wouldn't be the same in this area of, of extending uh, Jesus Christ's love, that we take some risks where we're placed in our circle of influence, that God would use us mightily. We have an opportunity even today, right after the service, we have something that we're calling Taste of Serving, which gives a, a number of different opportunities for you to roll up your sleeves and get involved around the church. That might be a great next step for you in, uh, in, in moving in this area of Extend. We have an outreach table out there, which has my, my wife's famous chocolate chip cookies, or at least I think they're famous, that I had for breakfast already. I encourage you to hit, hang out, enjoy some fellowship, and find out some ways you can get involved serving. Thanks.